Welcome to the Collective Gamers Podcast. Today's Sunday, April 30th. This is episode 192. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. Happy end of April. Happy end of April. Tomorrow, don't forget to pay your rent or mortgages. Mm -hmm. I have to file an ethics report with the Kansas Ethics Commission. Those are due monthly Mm. during the session. To show how ethical you are. To show how much food and drink I bought legislators. I get to check the box that said, I spent under $100 this month. And then sign because, it. because I bought one legislature, nope. single scotch. I buy them nothing, 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 and then they never vote for me. And maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Maybe maybe you, maybe you need to. Maybe you need to be buying more legislators. Mm. The the Thomas approach. Yeah. If it works for a judge, why can't it? Anyway, exactly. we're getting a little political here, and we don't normally do that. So let us go ahead and deviate. As Tony noted, this is episode one hundred ninety two, and uh, we we had complaint complaints well at least one complaint that the last episode was too short in our defense there were no news there was no news and we've covered so many filler topics over the years that do you all really want us to just like redo a filler topic maybe you do i don't really like to do that it feels lazy to me and in our defense and in favor of our patreon members we did offer over 20 minutes of content reviewing movies for those individuals that were supporting us at any level they choose to support us at speaking of which we did pick up a new member since the last episode josh r has joined at the basic support tier so josh thank you very much for supporting the show and as a reminder patreon.com slash eclectic gamers podcast if anyone wants to participate all the regular podcast audio remains free this there's no difference in the tiers and like what you get um it's just if you want to support the show you do have an option to do so um what has been happening with you since the last episode i have um continued to play uh the same games i was playing so uh horizon zero dawn um jedi not Night fallen Fall, order yeah, not, yeah fallen order fallen, fallen order, order not survivor not the new one, the new one. fallen survivor. order okay right um one of the little kind of fun games that i played a lot last year nova drift had a new patch that inc- that added a whole bunch of new enemy types and boss types so i played some of that uh other than that i finally finished reading the old man war series uh and i'm Getting ready to start reading. My reading, I talk about reading. You do. I, 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 I am actually, I am currently listening to uh, uh, one series in audiobook form. And then I am physically reading two other series in different forms. And then I'm uh, one, one of which, like I'm, I'm reading one series on my Kindle uh, I've got another series that I have on my phone that I've been reading on my phone when I don't have my Kindle with me. Then I actually have been reading another uh, in a in a f- actual physical book. So I'm currently running like four separate items uh, of reading when I've been doing my reading lately. So it's been I won't say confusing, but it's very massive amounts of reading lately. Yes. Well, you've always been fairly voracious when it comes to yeah to literature, so I don't find I don't find that surprising. Uh, the I have not been reading anything of note lately. Uh, I have returned to the video game Hades. Always because, a good game because Hades Two was announced at the Game Awards it was. several months ago. I don't recall when that is coming out, but because I'd finished up some other games that I'd been working on, I decided let me go back to this because I'd still not gotten to the true, not the true, but the the epilogue. Was actually, and there's an achievement for that is 
actually get to the epilogue of the game. I have now done that. Got to the epilogue uh, two or three days ago. And then actually yesterday, I finally was able to... This won't make any sense to anyone who hasn't really played the game, but I finally uh, got through a run with 16 packs turned on. Uh, so there are these there are these added handicaps that you can enable in the game. Uh, when you turn on 16, 16 of them, that gets you Skelly's second award uh, yeah. uh, uh, that he unveils, and that's which is basically a cosmetic thing. But there's also an achievement for the for that one. There's not an achievement for doing the, th- the third one, which is like thir- I think all thirty two turned on. Wow! But um, so I don't really have an intention of doing that. It was hard enough turning on because it's like which ones do you pick? Okay, well things are going to cost more. I don't get to choose my boons when I get things from the gods, it will be one. Uh, every single boss has full upgrades. Like, there's nothing quite like fighting Hades and he summons Cerebus to fight against Oh, me. oh. And I was like, what the? No, I fed him treats. <laughs> I pet him. This, no. And he, nope, I did not win that one. <laughs> when yeah. he brought Cerberus out, I was like, nope, dead. <laughs> Back to the spawn room. So, so I've been playing that. And before we get into the show, I thought, uh, again, we had already mentioned this, but we had done some additional audio and we had a little bit of a discussion on the podcast last time about us seeing Mario, mm-hmm. Super Mario. We both also seen the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So I put a poll up on the, on our Patreon asking, which did you think was better, Dungeons and Dragons or the Super Mario Brothers movie? And the poll results were 14% thought Mario was better. 5% thought Dungeons and Dragons was better and 81% said they hadn't seen both of them so they couldn't say. That I mean that makes sense. Yeah. Though. I'd hoped for a little bit stronger uh showing out of the uh I guess what I'm saying is if you can buy a pinball machine you can see a movie. Sure. I guess there's not I can't really like say you're morally obligated though so I, I mean I'm just pointing I mean, out that you could. I'm just pointing well, out. Well and they just said they'd not seen both of them yet. Mm-hmm. Some people only go to a movie every now and then. Yeah. I mean how many movies could you see for the price of a topper? A lot. Uh, yeah. A lot. A lot. Because toppers are dumb. Yeah. Figure it dumb, out. Dumb, expensive. Figure it out. But. Okay. So speaking of expensive, let's go ahead and go into the pinball segment. Because, you know, generally speaking, that is a more expensive thing to talk about than video games. Um, we do actually have some items worth discussing. Let's go ahead and start with Punny Factory. We've talked about about that. We have. Uh, before. Uh, so Pinball Adventures, they announced years ago the plan to do multiple pinball machines and that the first game was going to be Punny Factory. And uh, they have finally started to reveal that game, formally you know, getting ready to gear up to start selling. So... Uh, there have been a couple of uh, videos that have been put out. I actually do have a link in the show notes to a trailer for Punny Factory. also have a link to their making of video, which goes into a little more depth about some of the decisions that they've made with the game. And I have heard that there is a gameplay reveal that was done. Actually, I know it was done, and I heard from some people who saw it. I did not go back, and I wasn't able to watch the gameplay reveal live, and I did not go back and watch it because, unfortunately, all of the reports I received were that there were some like serious frame rate issues and issues with the stream, not with the game, but with the stream of the game, and I didn't want to uh, experience the game in a in a poor format, so... Uh, you know, because again, I've watched a lot of. Actually, I very rarely watch gameplay reveals live anymore because I've seen so many bad ones where, like, 
frames are getting dropped or the audio is not working right or cameras are desyncing and all it does is give a bad impression and i don't want that impression from the stream to infect my thought of the game yeah which makes sense so usually i wait for them to be pre-recorded now and then if i hear the stream is good i'll check it but if i hear the stream had problems i don't so i am not planning to go and watch that particular gameplay reveal i would assume they'll do another one here eventually um, I in our internal notes, Tony, I did include a photo of a piece from uh, from the video uh, that one of the videos that they did, uh, which shows some of the uh, information. I, actually, I think this is a flyer of theirs, but uh, you get a kind of a sense of the layout. We've seen some photos of the layout before, uh, and uh, some of the stuff that they're they're planning to do with it. So I thought we'd have a, a little bit of a discussion about our thoughts on this. Obviously. The biggest hurdle, and I've talked about this before with it feels like practically every company, but the big hurdle, of course, is the fact that it's an unlicensed theme. So that'll be the big right. So killer. Yeah. So it giving a good impression in terms of what the game play is, is really what's going to move units on this. Um, It's essentially a single level layout. There is that uh, punny press in the center of the play field, which is guarded by a drop target. And that actually kind of feeds a tube shot. Um, and you can kind of see that in the flyer. The tube is somewhat obfuscated by the upper right uh, Polaroid-looking mm-hmm. uh, thing explaining the skill shots. But but um, a lot of stand-ups, so you can kind of see that they they went mechanically with relatively simple structure, which for a, a first game experience I think makes a lot of sense. I, uh, I'm normally quite fine with stand-ups. Uh, I, I would say that this game does is really heavy in terms of the quantity of them. What I like about standups is it can keep the game fast, whereas drop targets can really slow a game down. Like I think, even though I know it wasn't his original intention, I think Steve Ritchie's firepower is better for the fact that it has standups in the center because right compared the, to the the, the drop target conversions that some people have done yeah, and which yeah, the drops. I, I think the conversion is a cool idea, but it would make the game easier. So, and I think. I could see both the arguments with firepower. Like some people would be like, that game is so brutal. It needs to be made easier. And then there may be others that are like, you know what? If you want to just shoot orbits and stuff, it's already re- for an early eighties game, relatively controllable. So maybe we feel better about actually keeping it harder by making those standups, which are very important. If you want to go for multi-ball, uh, making them dangerous. So, yeah. um, so overall, I mean, they really emphasized in their in some of their their video materials some of the stuff that they're doing about like how they painted the toys and the type of wood that they're using. I I you know I don't think most of that stuff's going to mean a lot to a lot of initial buyers. It fits very much, I think, in the old pinball theme of when you'd see the flyers and they kind of targeted a coin op and they'd kind of emphasize any new thing or any different thing that was being done because you're trying to you know point out something. Yeah, I got to point out features, but. Really, what I think is going to come down to are are the rules and um, and the layout that implements them. Which, again, the little tube shot uh, punny factory thing. Uh, I'm I'm curious about the that drop target does appear angled to me, so it doesn't look like it's going to be like a an instant like galactic tame force drain fest. Yeah, like it looks like it's supposed to bounce back to the flipper. So, so that could be well implemented. Uh, I'll need to when I hear about a good gameplay uh, stream, I'll need to go and check that out. And then it's got a very target, which I do like. Very target. Very target's cool. I I love the very target on Super Orbit. I love the very target on Silver Slugger. Uh, very target on Buck Rogers is straight up the middle, which makes it suck. But that yeah. one's a weird one too because they got a ball in the very target like behind it it's weird it's a whole it's not a good design quite frankly um so i recall lots of times hitting the very target in mm, 
Silver Slugger. It's, it's just, it's always fun. I always enjoy And this that. one's placement reminds me of Silver Slugger's placement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I this this layout may work. Um, as a single level, we've seen an increase in single levels coming out lately. Um, reaction has been, you know, like, Pulp Fiction, pretty pretty much single level. Pretty well received. I mean, he's got Subway and stuff, and some right. stuff going on in the back. Pretty well received. Celts, we both played it. Eh. Not the, but this doesn't do that. Where Kels has a really short play field because it's got like the whole Silver Ball Mania slash Space Invaders thing with mm-hmm. the horseshoe up front, and then there's like an upper section, and so it's segregated. This feels more traditional in the like what we'd think of of a normal before ramps came about, where it's sort of the whole play field is a single level. It's not really right. carved up into chunks in that same way. So I think this has maybe some more potential than that on the layout. I don't know yet on the rules though. We'll just have to see with it. Uh, some of the stuff, like I said, it looks interesting. Uh, I know some people will be uh, massively turned off by the very fact that it's nothing but puns. Do you think some people might be like, you know what? I love dad jokes, and so I'm going to. I think it's going to be polarizing. Mm-hmm. When it, it'll depend upon how, what the call outs are and how much it, it, it all, how well it all works together. Some people will hate it. Some people will love it. Uh, based upon that alone. Yeah, I um, I mean, I don't think it'll be as polarizing as, say, Toy Story 4. No. In the sense that no one like came in expecting anything in particular. Right. Because it's original theme. So, But you're right. Uh, there will be some people that will probably be like, uh, if it's too cringy, maybe stay away. I think the one of the things they focused on is that the goal uh, when you play is like to put together 50 puns, and they have a few hundred to be able to build from. So... I ideally it wouldn't be too samey uh, would, would be my initial thought. I think the biggest issue and I didn't put it in our internal notes, but my understanding is this is going to be, pr- this is going to be priced at the same as a Stern pro. Of course it is. So, which in a way I'm not surprised because we've seen that out of basically everyone. The last quote unquote major game that was under a Stern pro was home Pins Thunderbirds, which uh, it was a few hundred less. Yeah. And it, I mean, we know what the reputation, you know, it didn't, it didn't rock the world. Let's put it that way. So at this point, something coming out priced at a Stern Pro, I'm actually happy with because it means they're not dropping it at $12,000 when it looks like a game that should be priced right. like a Stern Pro. It's just, since it's not a license, since it's not got the end of, I get it because they don't have the industrial scale of Stern, but they also don't have a reputation on quality because it's their first game. Right. No license to move uh, to move the needle, so I I do think that's really going to hurt their total quantity of sales. I think their biggest angle, and maybe they're planning to exploit this. I don't know. Is it's a Canadian company? Do what Homepin tried to do, and what I think Haggis successfully did with Celts, which was what I don't know, 150 units or whatever, but focus on the local market and try and get kind of that rally around the flag thing going on and get the Canadians to be like, you know what? We want to see you do well because you're a Canadian company in a market dominated by the Americans and see about getting that local, local support. I mean, if I were giving free advice, which of course is what we do on a podcast would be the like, uh, turn to some of, there are some really high level, uh, Canadian pinball streamers, like, like the pinballers, for example, um, Turn to them for some more gameplay, uh, you know. So then, that way, you know, you've got. I don't remember who they used for their for their gameplay reveal, but use someone that's got an established, high quality stream. Um, not so much for their following, but more so because they know how to p- do good output. 
do that, work with those sort of uh, work with some of the other uh, big, maybe bring in some of the big Canadian competitors to try and play the game out and, and just sort of talk about it, shoot the breeze. We'll go in over, you know, kind of get it like that. And that would maybe be a good angle for this because I don't think they're expecting to sell a thousand units of this. So no. if, the, if the goal is to turn out a hundred or 200 units and then move on to the next game, which is also unlicensed because they do have it. I don't have a link in the show notes to it, but they, they, they reveal the trailer for elements, which is their next game. If that's sort of the route they're going, it's going to have to be like the quality is there. The rules are there. You got to sell the value proposition. So I think the initial thing is just to get people to come in and say, you know what, this isn't a cosmic carnival. This is a good game. That could be an that could be an issue for them. They have an unlicensed game called Elements being worked on, and there's a Pixar movie called Elements about to drop. I uh, you know, um, setting aside confusion angles, I would assume. Like, uh, I guess technically, it's, the Pixar movie's Elemental. Okay. So they, they'll probably in, in either okay. instance, well, in either instance, uh, a, a generic word like that, I don't think there's any like, like I don't think Pixar could successfully litigate. I'm not saying they wouldn't try. I was gonna, I, but, I was gonna say Katy Perry sued because of her name Katy. Yeah, but she didn't win. No, she, she didn't. So win. that's the thing is, um, I think there's a standing again, and again, it gets weird because this would be international because uh, Pinball Ventures is in Canada, but. Generally speaking, and again, I'm not attorney. Anything you hear about me say about the law on this podcast not be taken as legal advice. My understanding is there, at least in the U.S., are standing principles on things like uh, trademarks and stuff where you can't go about and like trademark like common name, like elements when there's the periodic table of element. It's like you don't like you can't have the word the and and take that. And you can't have the word pie or cake and take that. Sorry, the band cake. Um, your disco lemonade might not be as safe as you thought. So that's that was my point. Makes sense. Okay, moving on. You know, we had uh, we rumor cornered last time about a new pinball company, unknown pinball companies. There's much speculation. I saw Nap Arcade ran a little article, even referenced our our podcast rumor corner. Bear in mind, everyone, rumor corner is there to rumor tain you. I, I cannot vouch for the veracity of any particular rumors. They might be wholesale lies. We don't know. That's it's uh, Think of it as fantastical entertainment because that's all it's meant to be. So, But back into the world of reality, because we're not in a rumor corner yet, is there is a new pinball company launching in Florida called Tilt Bob Pinball. Tilt Bob is all one word, but with a capital T, capital B, at least as I wrote it which surely is right. I do have a uh, link in the show notes uh, to an article that Nap Arcade has about Tilt Bob Pinball. The, um, not a lot to say yet. They're not revealing anything really other than apparently uh, there are shirts made that have said the name of the company for a while now. So it's not like brand brand spanking new, but they, they haven't revealed what they're working on yet. Other than uh, what I can tell you is the company it's, it's by the guy who made the homebrew elf. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. when that was yeah. big. Yeah. So, and what he's indicated is they are working on an original theme, an original game. They also have another potential license for a pen that I guess would maybe be the second pen, but it's not the first pen. But that potential license has been confirmed to not be elf. So, not a whole, not a whole lot of detail. Right. But there you go. There's a there's a new company out of Florida coming about. So we got them, and we got, of course, Pinball Ventures. Looks like they're about to go ahead and get their games uh, moving, uh, actually, uh, for sale. So let's go to a more established company for our third piece of news, and that would be Chicago Gaming Company. You uh, 
you you know the issues with we've we've talked about the the toppers the topper of, gate. of Cactus Canyon remake yeah and the the delays that have happened on the LEs and such yeah we've covered CCR quite extensively um, one of the pieces that we haven't talked about very much is the expanded code now for those that don't remember because it it gets a little confusing because there's kind of two different things going on so Cactus Canyon the original game which we've played several times many times. That that code was never actually finished. That that game was basically done while they were trying to get Pinball Two Thousand ready to go, and so they only built. It was their last traditional non Pinball Two Thousand game. They being Williams WMS, and they didn't actually get the code all as far along as it would have been for the nineties. They didn't fully finish it. So, all of the CCR games come with a completed version of the nineties code. That's done, and that's with everything. Everyone who I believe uh, has the option uh, for additional money with their CCR to buy an expanded code set. Now, originally, that plan was Lyman Sheets and Josh Sharp were going to work on the on that code. Lyman Sheets has since passed away, so Josh Sharp has shared information. I do have a link again to Nap Arcade. He has an article o- over there, and so it's in the show notes for those of you that want to read more on this. But so. The outline of the rules is done. Like Josh and Lyman had been working on that outline, but like the code, they the coding wasn't there. Right. Like so, the programming of the rules. Not to mention, I believe the article also notes like the new animations and stuff. None of that is ready. And so, the the report is this expanded code has not been abandoned as an idea. They are still going to do it. It's not remotely near ready. Like. It ain't going to be 2023 remotely near ready. So this is very much a, hey, we know some of you paid more money specifically to get this code. We're just letting you know that we remember you, but don't hold your breath. Now, I don't think that, I think, and this is where I should have researched it better, but I'm pretty sure when they announced it, because at first I was going to say, I thought this was only for the LEs, but then I'm like, no, 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 no. That I'm thinking of the Fathom Revisited Mermaid editions are the only ones with the expanded code, right. code that Martin Roberts did. With this, it's a later they can pay to buy. So I don't think anyone's out any money. Oh, okay. I think what they ended up, and someone can email if I'm incorrect, but I'll go ahead for the time being say, Chicago Gaming said there will be expanded code because they, they didn't announce the price. And everyone was like, well, how much more is it going to be to get the expanded code? And there was a lot of talk that there was going to be a physical component to the expanded code. Now, and I, and the thinking may be more along the lines of not like a topper, which, of course, the LDS and SE Pluses have a topper. Only those do. But like uh, when Medieval Madness, uh, when they did the remake of Medieval Madness, I think there was like a physical thing to, that you could put in uh, to the device that would allow you to have more than one the generic monocolor DMD. Yeah, when that went like there was like a, a stick or a card or something went. So maybe that's what was meant. Regardless, we don't know how much the code would be, but I believe it was going to be just you'll get to buy it later. I um so so that's the news. So that's what they're saying. I you know since we give opinions here, in my opinion, even though this assurance has been given by by Josh Sharp, I remain skeptical that this will come out. It sounds so so far behind. And they're having so many issues, and they've got a new game coming at the end of the year. It, it definitely, it is like back side burner at this point. I, I, I'm not sure. 
and it's so tough to say. I'm not sure of the value of doing it. I guess is kind of where if you know if no money's been taken, no one. I I understand that some buyers would be upset because they perhaps got CCR because they were wanting the expanded code, but I mean. There's been a lot of extenuating circumstances. When they did that, when people were expecting expanded code, they also expected that Lyman Sheets was going to program it. Right. And he's not going to program it anymore. And I don't really know how it gets so it gets so weird um with like it's not clear how much of the uh, the final set is going to be his ideas anyway. Like I okay, I get that there's an outline, but like how detailed is that outline? Are how many people were getting it because they wanted Lyman code? And it's just, it's not going to really be Lyman code at this point. It's going to have some of his ideas in it at best. And and I'm not saying that because Lyman has passed that you you shouldn't do it. I think it's perfectly fine to do it. I, to me, it's 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 the it's the economics of it. It's like, are you how many more are you really selling? If it's going to be another year plus to get it, you've got Pulp Fiction. I know Josh Sharp is involved with Pulp Fiction. There's a lot of hype about that game. It was very well received. And, you know, they're supposed to start building those in Q3, which is still a ways out. We're just now, you know, we've only recently entered into Q2. So I, and I know a lot of people that are already like, and again, CGC is saying Q3. Hobbyists are going, I'm going to be shocked if this is out at 2023 at all. Oh and, yeah, and that's, that's because I would Chicago, stand. and that's because Chicago gaming's reputation is they can't put anything out on time. Yeah. Kind of like pretty much all, almost all pinball companies. <laughs> but um, but ever since uh, ever since really medieval madness. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm saying it wrong. Ever since Monster Bash, that was the one where there was the first one I remember of those where there were just these mat like everyone knew Monster Bash was coming out. They weren't confirming it, and it was just taking forever. Right now, when it came out, people loved it. Because yes. it was like, whoa, look at this light show. Whoa, look at this display. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, everyone was like, brah, this is incredible. Like they always respond to with CG, CGC stuff. But yeah. So anyway, they say they were still working on it. I, I, yeah. I, as vague as the descriptions of everything was, I, you know, I wonder if the, this priority will change over time. But again, this is just me asking questions. They're saying it's going to happen. I'm just so, asking questions here. I was trying to ask nice questions, fair questions, but uh, speaking of things that are are nice and fair, uh, this is kind of not relevant to anything. I'm going to talk a little bit about homebrew. I normally uh, don't. We don't normally cover homebrew. Not really. Um, I'm trying to think. I think maybe I've had a couple of questions, usually like maybe email asking, that's not very often, asking like why we don't do more on homebrew. Uh, the answer is because it's not commercial, it's basically irrelevant to most people. That's why I don't cover it. Uh, unless we play it. Right. So, like, you play Battletech at Texas Pinball, so you have an opinion on it, so you talk about it. I ain't ever played Elf, uh, so I'm not going to say anything about it because you can't buy it. And so there's not, like, there's, like, there's not a, it's not news. And if I don't have experience on it, I can't talk about, like, my experience. Right. So what do I have, <laughs> what do I have left to discuss? There's, like, no commercial angle to it, and I don't have a personal angle to it. So I'm just, like, I, I'm devoid of having anything meaningful to say. Unless I care about theme. And that's why I'm going to bring this So one. you don't care about Elf? I, I don't. Okay. I, I've seen it, like, twice, and I don't care about the Like, I, I don't have You've seen a, it more than I have, then. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I know some people love that movie, uh... It was okay. Like I did, it no, wasn't. It's fine. It wasn't cringy to me, but I, I 
Like, it, it's not my I, Christmas movie. I the only Christmas movie I would ever uh, really imagine having as a pinball machine in my collection would be Die Hard, and that's about it. So, so anyway, uh, this is one we talked about in, long ago when Overwatch was at its peak of popularity. Overwatch. Well, I think. I knew we had an episode. I think it was, I don't know which one, because um, I got to ask. It, it was a long time I ago. I think we've, we've touched on it a few times. There was an episode we did at one point where someone had emailed us asking us about video game themes, and maybe that was the one where we went and really broke down ideas on how we would do like this game, because Tony played Overwatch when it came out. Right. Like I started about a year later. Uh, Tony doesn't play anymore. I, I stopped and then started back up with Overwatch 2, and I, I, I play Overwatch 2 pretty much every day. Not maybe one to three games. You get my little daily. I have dailies. Now, you got so your daily blues. Get my little dailies in. Um, but you know what? It's like, it's, uh, I enjoy the idea of a hero shooter. Um, and then when people occasionally, I don't see as much toxicity, uh, direct toxicity as I did in Overwatch 1 on the rare. I only ever had one time someone say, kill myself. And I took great joy in uh, reporting them immediately. Yeah. Because that, uh, that gives me joy. I like to punish people that are nasty. Now they say like tank diff. I'm like, okay, yeah, I did get tank diff. So that's fair. I'm not proud of it, but it's that's fair if I, if I really did get diffed, and sometimes I do. Because sometimes you're like, what is, why am I playing against a Smurf? Holy crap, they are countering. Every, they like know my every move. Then I report them for cheating because <laughs> I've decided that they can't be that good. <laughs> they can't be that good. <laughs> the biggest thing on console gaming as an aside is uh, to watch the replays on Widows that are getting tons of headshots. That's conceivable on PC. Watching the replays on console, what I'm not, I'm not thinking it's a cheat. I'm thinking it's a mouse, which is also against the rules. So because they've got because on console we have aim assist, right? Because we don't have mice, and it's like it's like little children trying to do. They're like it's like trying to aim. Is the reason why we don't like widows and Genjis on console is because they can't aim <laughs> because we turn around like tank turrets. It's just because that's how a controller is. So, right. So anyway, so uh, just a different environment. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so there's an episode of a of a new pinball podcast called Pinball Innovators and Makers Podcast. Their fifth episode uh, is uh, which is titled "A Family Affair." It's actually about a family who are making an Overwatch pinball homebrew. I just thought it was interesting, so I wanted to point out. I do have a link in the show notes to the episode if people want to go and listen to that, listen to the podcast. But um, I included for an internal note, just a you can see they're not. Like it's early in the process. Their pin side page uh, uh, thread is only two pages long so far, but you can see like uh, it almost with the photo I gave you. It almost feels like they've they've themed it all around a diva Funko Pop. Yeah, <laughs> they're kind of going from there. But um, because it covers video games, one that we both know, and pinball, a game we both know, I thought it was really interesting that because as popular as Overwatch was and to be fair uh overwatch league i guess just started this weekend i i tuned into the stream uh on my pc yesterday and there were like eighty thousand people watching wow. it on youtube uh and it's youtube not twitch so it's not a bunch of skin drops so so it's like okay uh i mean there's still and overwatch 2 i believe did very well for blizzard as you would expect it was three years late um it still doesn't have a single player that we were promised which is i was some part i was really looking forward to but um yeah, it's. Uh, I just thought, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's not a lot to evaluate. There's not a lot. Of, they, they, they've gone with some. I, I think, think Overwatch is a great idea for a video game themed pinball machine. Uh, I, I think it, it, it offers a lot of possibilities for ways to program and code. So I think that it's a, a definitely a good game for it. 
let's say, I doubt that they listened to the show, but let's pretend that they did. And they were like, Tony, maybe Dennis, but Tony, we have our diva in the middle of this game. We got a couple of ramps. We got a Lucio in the back, right? You know, we need some ideas on like things that should have like either rules or where we should integrate famous call outs from the game. I tell them how to make the game good. I, I don't know how do to make, I don't know how to make do the game it. good. Where would they I'm, put I, where I, would I, they if put I knew in how to make the game good? I would be designing games. But no, you I where will would they say stick if you Reinhard, have Reinhardt Reinhardt, where would that go? Where would it go? Tell them. Do it. Do it. Schmaug. Schmaug. I would definitely you know, anytime you can get Lucio to drop the beat is uh, find a reason for it. And and for me, if you throw together your homebrew and you use an apron button, it would be perfect because I would love just smack that button big as crap to drop the beat. Mm. Uh, uh, I I played a lot of Junkrat and a lot of Lucio back in the day. I really love Lucio. Uh, so anything that primaries that would be good. And in, I can think of a lot of fun things you could do. Uh, based upon the whole ultimate system, um, different bonuses and abilities that you build up ultimates for different characters. And then I, I just think the big thing is you need to have a button, like a separate button to activate it. Mm. Just just whether, you know, it, it, it's like the, the missile buttons that you used to have or an extra button somewhere. I, per, I like the apron button where it's right in the middle where you can just slap that thing, but... But but I think that's that would be a very good thing to have for anything that involves any of the big ultimates. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there's so many ways because there's so many characters that you could take the rules. Uh, and I, you know, I'd need to know more about like, are we picking a character at the start or anything like that before I, I could go too much. So I'm mostly going to think in terms of like call outs and elements. And I, I like a lot of the ideas Tony has shared. Some of the stuff is going to be obvious. So. So in my mind, so for example, if ball save is is activated, uh, Mercy saying heroes never die needs to be done. Uh, And on maybe 1% of the instances, you should do her witch version and have her say my servants never die instead, uh, just for a nice little Easter egg call out. But that would basically be when the ball is brought back into play for uh, the ball save. I actually saw someone on Pinside say they thought she should do that call out when you earn extra ball. That is the wrong answer. It needs to be when you're saved. Because that is what it, the, the character is doing. Getting the added extra, like getting an add a ball, or excuse me, getting an add, you know, getting your your extra ball added in, uh, probably yeah, there might be another mercy call out that you wanna you wanna go ahead and and use. Uh, maybe a cheeky one, like I'm not a miracle worker, you know, uh, but yet she did work a miracle, which is the irony, right. of, of her. Um, I I I know it, it wouldn't really fit, but I I, I would love for uh in a multi-ball if you get an add a ball to a multi-ball for the whole bob get in there Mm. oh yeah no it could yeah that would be that'd be interesting yeah it could be because i mean they've got the target with the divas obviously going to be a big focus because they must really love diva is my assumption because they've got like everything is centered around the diva funko pop so i'm assuming they've got a well i don't think that's even the funko is it I thought, or, or is that it's the, the one, that's the actual toy? Because that's the actual Lucio the one, toy in the right. back, and the actual tra- tracer I thought, toy. And maybe I didn't hear it right. I thought they said this was the big Diva Funko. It where could be a, the big one. Okay, yeah, where she's in it, and you can like, 
yeah, open, I don't, open it uh, up. Yeah, I, it could be. I don't have that one. Okay. So uh, I'm assuming they've got to nerf this multi-ball. And if they don't, then they need to. So once you get like the three balls locked or whatever, Diva needs to say nerf this. And the balls come out into play. And I think you could allow, uh, you know, just assuming Ash is on her team. So Bob, get in there for an add a ball uh, during that multi-ball. Would be would be good. Uh, another idea would be uh, maybe have uh, the ability to light a two x multiplier on a single shot. Some games do that. Uh, that'll be the junk rat trap. Uh, and then when um, when you go to your second ball or whatever, a variety of the coming out of spawn callouts like junk rat. Oh yeah, I'll keep out this until I run out of limbs. He doesn't sound like that, but that's the best I can do. Um, yeah, so little, little things, little things like that. Um, maybe if you, you could activate, a, I don't know if they're going to do like a physical, uh, like shield thing between the flippers pop up kind of like a space station or, or space. Shuttle. I like, I like yeah, the do something like shields. that. You could do a lot of Reinhardt call outs involved with that thing. Like when it pops up, <laughs> like, get behind me, precision German engineering, things like that. So those could be, those could be good. Maybe if you drain the ball, Reaper could just say, die, die, die. Cause you died. I don't know. He's such an edgelord. Maybe keep him out of the game outright. I'm not sure. I would be okay with that. Yeah. I like playing him sometimes, but he's a little too, he's a little too cringe. Um, but anyway, so there is an Overwatch. Someone, make sure that it gets good so then it can be made into a fun game. Yeah. Yay. They can start their own pinball company after they do it, and maybe they can get license. Mm-hmm. That's right. Sure. But will it be with Microsoft? We'll be getting to that yeah. in a little bit. But before that, Tony, we have one last part of the pinball segment, and that is Rumor Corner. Okay, so on this episode's Rumor Corner, uh, there has been information floating around from uh, Pedretti Gaming. They, you know, Funhouse 2.0 kit. They've got another 2.0 kit uh, coming out this week, I guess. They're announcing it. Oh, the speculation. Speculation out there is all over the place. Like, I think Nap Arcade has an article that's, like, looking at a bunch of numbers on games and all that. Uh, Like, old games. Like, which one would make the most sense commercially to do? Okay. I have heard, and again, this is Rumor Corner. I can't confirm this is fact. It may be a total lie. We don't know. I've heard it's Whirlwind. Oh, I like Whirlwind. So, see, and that was my reaction when I when I heard this rumor. I was like, you know what? I know Whirlwind wasn't like the most sold System 11, but it's a really popular game. Yeah. People have really tried to take care of them, uh, and... It's not perfect, like any system limit. It's not perfect on the rules, so definitely could use a 2.0 treatment. Right. So you like it. I like I, it. I think it's a great idea. I I, I would okay. be very happy with it. Well, I I would I would actually I would really I hope this. Uh, I don't normally care much what, one way or another what happens with the rumors. I kind of hope this one's true. That I don't have a whirlwind. I it would be neat to see. So right. So I'm it would give you a reason to get a whirlwind. It would. It would. So you 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 would ha- you would have to remove something from your collection to replace mm. it with Whirlwind. That's true. Well, did it r- rumor tain you? It did. Excellent. Good. We finally had a, like a clear rumor taining rumor for once. Now we got to go into some more facts, though, and that is into video games. And uh, 
On the last episode, we reached out to all of you listeners, faithful listeners, loyal listeners, courageous listeners, brave listeners. I don't know. I'm using adjectives that aren't really applicable in what I'm about to talk about. Um, and we well, had because uh, yeah, why, why do you have to be brave? You don't to listen. That didn't make any sense. Well, and you don't have to be brave to do this, but well, kind of do because you're putting yourself out there. Now, wh- what am I talking about? On the last episode, we put out a call to you all saying, "Hey." We had another listener who very kindly gave us steam codes, a bunch. I mean, I didn't emphasize this enough because I had a, I had several emails like, do you have any of these left? I'd be interested. Like, let me let me emphasize it differently. Tony and I have a lot of uh, steam yeah. codes. We have a lot left. OK, a lot. So don't worry about it. Um, so what we did, though, is we said, hey, if you're willing to install whatever the steam game is and review it for us. We'll let you have a Steam code. And I think I sent out like four, maybe five codes. And one person's actually already got their review back to us. But what I want to go ahead and note is we have a lot of codes. So if people still are interested in reviewing, please email eclecticgamerspodcast.gmail.com. And if you have already gotten a code, once you email in your review to us, um, you can ask for another code. And we'll let you review another this is great. We're crowdsourcing out the review. We're crowdsourcing <laughs> reviews. You guys are going to get a free game out of it, and it's our like win-win. So we we get to use this very generous gift in a way that uh, we share with all the listeners that are interested in it, and then we get content. Which so that's win-win. Yes. So, so I want to thank Matt R. He was not the first person to ask for a code, but he was the first person to get us a review back. And I'm going to go ahead and read that now. Um. So Matt writes. I received perfect a VR experience, which as a, this is now Dennis as an aside. I didn't realize these were going to possibly include VR. <laughs> so I guess if you got stuck with a VR game and you don't know what to say to us because you don't have VR stuff, let me know. <laughs> we we'll just send you a different code. Yeah. Uh, and you, obviously you're stuck that's owning the part that. Of, that that's, that is the problem with yeah. having random it's codes random. that we you don't, don't know what we they don't, are. We don't know. It's just a we list of know. codes. We don't know. But we lucked out with, we lucked out with Matt because he's got gear. So continuing on with the email. Parenthetical citation. I have not used Steam VR before with my Oculus Quest 2, so this was a learning experience all on its own. After a few downloads, the journey began. In parenthetical citation. What is Perfect? Perfect is a relaxation sim that allows you to escape to the peace and quiet of an empty beach, the snowy Arctic, or a mountain lake. During the day, you can watch the trees swaying, the snow falling, or a school of fish swirling in the water. At night, you can stare at the moon and the northern lights or look deeply into a fire crackling nearby. From time to time, you might see a hang glider taking flight or a shooting star crossing the sky. You can choose day or night for each of these three environments, and each location has three vantage points to visit. Some spots have a campfire. Some are down by the water. Each place has a few interactables, such as snowballs, sticks, rocks, or a lantern. You can pick up and throw all of these items, and the sticks will light on fire for a short period. But that's about it. While I was tethered to my PC and could not move very far, other reviewers mentioned that only a small space can be explored before a boundary pops up anyway. The simulation is visually stunning at first. The boulders are mossy. The sun casts down shadows of palm leaves onto the sand, and that hot air balloon really stands out. Trees and mountains in the distance are static, though, and a fiery stick looks video gamey up close. The splashes and ripples the rocks make when you throw them into the water aren't quite perfect, either. 
I didn't notice any sun or moon movement or a rolling tide, something which you might think would be included here. You will hear a short list of expected sounds across the different environments, like wolves howling in the distance, birds and crickets chirping, and a gentle breeze blowing. You can also turn on a small radio with about 10 very mellow soundtracks to listen to. Other reviewers noted that the swooshing sound when you throw something is comically out of place. Since the goal of Perfect is to help you relax, there's not much to actually do. You can't feed the fish, ride the hot air balloon, take the boats out on the water, or explore the nearby paths and tents. There are some good moments, though, like holding a lit lantern and watching three moths flutter around and land on it. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying really hard. I'm trying. Continuing. Parenthetical. Perfect was developed with the HTC Vive in mind, and I had some difficulty figuring out the controls for my Oculus Quest. The loading screen does provide one detail at a time about the experience, but it took me at least an hour before I figured out exactly how picking up objects worked. How to teleport to the other vantage points was also not intuitive for me. End parenthetical. While I see more to this experience than you can get in just 10 minutes, Perfect does not offer a robust package. It is more like a good start. Unless what I've described is exactly what you are looking for, I could only recommend it at a discount for the short time you might spend with it. Someone on Steam Reviews recommended Nature Treks VR instead, which does look promising and is at the same price of $9.99. Thank you again, Matt, for the very detailed review. Apologies for my, my life. Tony found some of the elements quite comedic, and I held it together well, and then later... I was just thinking back to the you you can you you can throw a lantern you can I just, lift I just, sticks I just wanted to throw a lantern and light tents on fire. <laughs> it's just, I also like the uh, I like the part about how it's supposed to help you relax, so you can't. So there's a lot you can't do, including feeding fish, which I thought was going to be quite relaxing, but apparently it's just too much too much effort. You just it's not chill enough not chill enough so overall this appears to have received a do not recommend outside of discount so perfect i would have named this review perfect is imperfect tony what's uh it's the big news it's it's the news that will be bringing more likely than not most of this conversation we've been having for the last year towards an end uh the uk's competition and markets authority has denied the Microsoft Activision merger. Uh, and they are, uh, they believe that it is, um, they're so tightly entwined that they will not, that this merger banning will be a global banning just from the UK saying no, because they're so tightly entwined, they won't be able to uh, separate it. Uh, Microsoft is appealing. The appeal is going to take a while. They're talking the typical for a normal appeal. Uh, that doesn't require too much getting in deep. They're talking nine months. Um, so, and then all the appeal, if the appeal is upheld, the only thing that will come from that being upheld is that it will be sent back to the CMA to be talked about again. So we're looking at a bare minimum of a year before we hear anything else about it from the UK. And that's if they win the appeal. Um, so the, it's pretty safe bet that barring that even if the U S and EU 
comes forward and says that it's okay. Uh, this is still a blocked deal, at least for now. Um, the core of it that they blocked on was because of cloud gaming, actually. It had nothing to do with console competition and everything with the emerging cloud gaming uh, scene. Uh they, the CMA was concerned that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision's games exclusive to its own cloud gaming service. Uh, they believe that letting Microsoft have such a strong position in the cloud gaming market as it begins would risk undermining innovation in the growing market. The CMA carefully considered whether the benefit of having Activision's content available on Game Pass outweighed the harm that the merger would cause to competition in cloud gaming in the UK. The CMA found that this new payment option, while beneficial to some customers, would not outweigh the overall harm to competition and ultimately to UK gamers arising from this merger, particularly given the incentive for Microsoft to increase the cost of a Game Pass subscription post-merger to reflect the addition of Activision's valuable games. Martin Coleman, chair of the of the independent panel, um, oh, I lost my spot. There it is. Uh, stated that the CMA's decision was a win for the UK, protecting competition and emerging an exciting cloud gaming market. Microsoft already enjoys a powerful position and head start over other competitors in cloud gaming, and this deal would strengthen that advantage, giving it to the, the ability to undermine new and innovative competitors. Microsoft engaged constructively with us to try and address these issues, and we are grateful for that, but their proposals were not effective to remedy our concerns and would have replaced competition with ineffective regulation in a new and dynamic market. Cloud gaming needs a free competitive market to drive innovation and choice that is the best that is best achieved by allowing the current competitive dynamics in cloud gaming to continue to do their job. So, uh, Microsoft, uh, president Brad Smith has responded that this is probably the darkest day in our four decades in Britain. It, it does more than shake our confidence in the future of the opportunity to grow a technology business in Britain than we've ever confronted before. There's a clear message here. The European Union is a more attractive place to start a business than the United Kingdom. The English Channel has never seemed wider. Uh, while the EU and U.S. regulators have not made their deal yet, um, CMA has uh, insisted that this decision means it cannot go forward globally. Activision is intertwined through different markets. It can't be separated for the UK, so this decision blocks the deal from happening globally. Uh, Activision has responded that it is a disservice to UK citizens who face increasingly dire economic prospects. The CMA's reports contradicts the ambitions of the UK to become an attractive country to build technology business. We will work aggressively with Microsoft to reverse this on appeal. The report's conclusions are a disservice to UK citizens who face increasingly dire economic prospects. We will uh, reassess our growth plans for the UK. Global innovators, large and small, will take note of that. Despite all of its rhetoric, the UK is clearly closed for business. Microsoft has also said that the decision may have an impact on its UK investments. And they've called on the UK to look hard at the role of the CMA and its regulatory structure. People are shocked, people are disappointed, and people's confidence in technology in the UK has been severely shaken. So basically, Microsoft and Activision came out swinging hard on the UK. Uh, that, they, they, are, they did not pull any punches in their thoughts on that at all. What do you think? Yeah, um, 
you know, I, it's interesting because I had always up while we've talked about this only really thought about the console competition aspects. And uh, I do think the CMA has some fair points. Microsoft is ahead of their competitors on cloud gaming. They're sixty percent of the, between sixty and seventy percent of the market. Uh, I've seen numbers mm. everywhere between sixty and seventy percent thrown yeah. out. So, and again, that's that's in part because Microsoft is it's a very diversified uh, company, and they've poured billions of dollars into developing cloud. Just like even though Stadia is not around anymore, Google also has a very impressive cloud infrastructure mm-hmm. because they're a very diversified company, and they've poured a lot of assets into it. Um, the The thing is, uh, and again, I, I don't know all of the nuances of everything that they, they've looked at. Uh, and part of this, I would say, is probably on Activision and Blizzard, or excuse me, Activision and Microsoft, because I'm not, though it sounds like they were in discussions with CMA, it seems almost all of their eggs that we were hearing were in the why this is okay from a console competitive standpoint basket. So maybe they didn't spend enough time trying to articulate why this shouldn't be a problem from the cloud gaming front. Right. Now, part of that, you know, might be and where I'm kind of at a, I, I get what CMA is saying. The thing is, like when we talk about, consoles like we're talking about market share because you know like if do you sell more consoles because of the and that's what they're looking at with the with the cloud in terms of having these additional additional properties but like one of the things when it comes to say telecoms because that's a merger category that we're very familiar very with very much in the so US, it's always been like okay well like if sprint and t-mobile merge it's about how much uh of how many phones does that put under T-Mobile and what, you know, is that too many uh, in the sense of, and how does that stack up versus how many are under Verizon, how many are under AT&T? And, in, you know, in this case, much like as it was even with the console argument, so Microsoft has 60% of the cloud gaming market, but buying Activision doesn't inherently give them a larger percentage because Activision isn't a cloud gaming thing. It's just IPs. It's IPs that Microsoft could, not just as easily, but Microsoft could develop new must-have IPs, and it would be maybe it gets more people into Game Pass, and maybe it doesn't. Just like we don't, we don't know if people Game Pass, Cloud of Duty, or not. I mean, I'm sure that's what Microsoft. We know that that's where Microsoft is going with what they want, what like what they'd want to do with the property, but with the deals to still have it physically available for or digitally available or however for 10 years on these other platforms i you know it's like i just it seems very speculative from cma to be like okay well we know these are popular so we're worried that microsoft's 60 percent share of cloud will go up but like by how much like how much is is it are they 90 percent then or is it 61 percent like what what's the and I don't see this is the challenge because you don't want you don't want the stifling of monopolies because it does all these a lot of these things CMA pointed out are are very concerning like you get so much control that you then jack the price up um on your on your service. Uh we've seen it before with yeah. with entities that'll lowball to get in, put their competitors out of business and then they raise the price. Um but that being said, it's also if you're if you're adhering to some level of free market principles, you've got to let the market make some determinations and just saying, okay, well, Microsoft just can't buy like what did Microsoft set? Let me ask. Yeah, sorry, I bumped my mic. Um, 
let me give you a different hypothetical. Let's say Microsoft said, you know, screw it. Okay, we can't have Activision Blizzard. Let's buy EA instead. Is that okay? Like, is that small enough to make it okay? I, I don't think that. I, I, that based like, upon this, I would think I would think uh, that the like, CMA would go against like, that as like well. Like, what's small? Like, what's small enough? And I just so I get I get where some of their concerns are. A number of their concerns are valid concerns about yeah. the future of cloud, but but it's it sounds like. It's all really speculative instead of just being the normally when I see this, again, like with telecoms, we're, we're talking about this is how many phones exist right now. How many companies will control how many phones? That's the question. Right. Not this. What's Microsoft going to look like in 10 years on the cloud landscape because you let them have Call of Duty? I, I don't. It seems very it seems speculative. Different. It seems different. It seems like they're really trying to forecast well beyond what we normally expect out of regulators, which are more concerned with the balance of power as it stands when the deal is done. And I'm not saying necessarily that they're wrong, but they seem to be doing it differently than every place else does it. Yeah, and it's hard to know how this because we're so early in the cloud gaming kind of thing it's hard to know how it's going to expand and work in the end it's hard to know what it's going to look like and i don't think like you said that adding activision blizzard brings up microsoft that much uh because they're not it's not like they're adding an already like large cap of something it's not like Microsoft has 60% and Activision has 20%. All it's doing is taking what Microsoft has and making it more interesting because it's got the extra game choices. But even there, Xbox sales are pretty much non-existent at this point. They, they've dropped severely while Sony's still po- posting record-breaking sales for PlayStations. Um I don't know. I, this is not the argument I expected to see on this, and I'm not. I, I, I'm not sold that it's necessarily a correct argument, but I can definitely understand where they're coming from on this one. Yeah, I. It's just I'm. I don't know. The it's the part where where Martin Coleman with the CMA uh, that you had read, where he'd said that Microsoft already enjoys a powerful position and head start over other competitors in cloud gaming. And this deal would strengthen that advantage, by giving it the ability to undermine new and innovative competitors. And I'm not, I'm not entirely clear on how this impacts the ability for others to spool up their cloud gaming. That seems to be a different barrier to me, right? That companies like Nintendo and Sony don't want to invest billions of dollars developing cloud. And, are you not empowering? Are you not falsely propping up their shares of whatever cloud gaming shares they have? Since we're keeping this exclusive to cloud gaming now, by not allowing this, I don't. And again, he had continued. He said Microsoft had engaged with them to try and address the issues, but his what was the quote? Their proposals were not effective to remedy our concerns and would have replaced competition with ineffective regulation in a new and dynamic market. And he also followed with saying cloud gaming needs a free competitive market to drive innovation and choice, but apparently not a competitive enough market where anyone who was already established in clouds allowed to buy new IPs. Yeah. It's a, that's something it's, it is, it's, this is always an interesting thing with business because I mean, it, it, they are, they are exercising a regulatory authority to deny the free market its ability 
Because in a broken free market, you end up with, because that's the thing. This is why, sorry, sorry for those that may feel differently, but you know, we all have different opinions. This is why laissez-faire doesn't work because you will end up with monopolies, which are inherently uh, destructive to market dynamics. Right. So you don't want monopolies because they're actually, they're actually a corruption of the free market and left to their own devices without any regulation, they can easily happen. That being said, 60% is, it's a lot, but it's not. I mean, we see like just a, what would the UK's response to be uh, if Stern Pinball had to ask them for permission to do Stranger Things Pinball? Well, we're afraid that your IP would give you more uh, pinball uh, manufacturing market share because it's such a popular license and you're already over 80 percent of the pinball market. So I guess you can't have this IP because in theory, it might actually let you sell more machines. That's what it seems like that, to me. It does. And that's a case. And in pinball, there's more of a there's more of a dominant force than there is in video games. And again, that was them only focusing on the cloud side, which is an interesting vacuum to only look at it. Because again, as you noted, Microsoft as a gaming company is it's big, but it ain't number one. It ain't number two. And their cloud position isn't just the gaming side. They do other stuff in cloud right. that I think is getting lumped in with this because there's and, a lot of it. Is because a lot, there's a lot of business cloud going on. A lot of the stuff they talked about is Microsoft Azure backend stuff that they've been developing mm-hmm. for everything over the years, uh, and all their business stuff that they've got because they've like they moved to Office is completely cloud based at this point and all of that. So so um. This is very interesting. I did read, um, I haven't delved into this. I did read people report that no one has successfully reversed a CMA decision. No. Not fully. Not fully. I've seen that there have been partial reversals. That being said, so there's the assumption that the the appeal will fail based off of that. That being said, I'm assuming the CMA hasn't been around all that long, given that uh, the UK's breakaway from from the EU is relatively recent. Right. So that's probably part of the reason why they have such a stellar track record. I don't know if Microsoft and Activision can construct a good enough argument to satisfy. It depends what the appellate court thinks. Like they basically need to disagree fundamentally with the CNA CMA's analysis. I don't. The, the reports I've read said that every reversal that has happened for has been based a hundred percent on a section of whatever ruling the CMA decided that the appellate court decided that they legally couldn't make that decision because that decision was legally protected somewhere else. Okay. So, so, so yeah, it's my- entirely possible that they that this is just a, it's a done deal. It could be, it could be. And my understanding is uh, assuming uh, as you noted uh, and as the CMA noted, and I do think they're right here. Yeah. If, if UK blocks this, this deal is dead. There, right. there are too many legal uh, aspects tied to the UK that these companies operate in already that it's not like if, if Brazil said no. Right. So, so given that, yeah, my understanding is if the deal falls apart, Microsoft has to pay Activision a $3 billion breakup fee. Yep. And then Activision, you know, my, Microsoft will be fine as a company. I mean, other, you know, they'll, it, okay, they'll lose their $3 billion and they'll be pissed at all this time they wasted. Uh, and Activision was relying on this. So I don't know what happens with Activision. See, I saw an interview with Bobby Kotick that mentioned that if it does fail after the $3 billion payout, 
Activision Blizzard will be setting on 18 billion cash. Uh, and then he commented that they have a history of taking care of their, um, employees. No, oh. uh, 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 investors. Mm. So, Oh, they'll probably just do a big dividend payout. Probably. Okay. Would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, the, there's I, nothing. I do think it's interesting that through new, no fault of that. If it fails through absolutely no fault of Microsoft, Microsoft has to pay Activision $3 billion. I mean, that must have been part, just part of the deal they struck with them. And uh, so I, I view that as kind of being on Microsoft because I'm assuming, I mean, they agreed to it. Right. So, so yeah, that is what it is. It is interesting. And, and Activision can exist by, it's not like it needed to be bought out for money reasons. It's more that they're so scandal plagued and, those who other, I mean, and I know gamers are divided on this, uh, you know, mostly Sony fanboys that wanted to see it fail and then everyone else who didn't care or wanted to see it change. A lot of people, a lot of Blizzard supporters wanted this to happen because they are basically convinced Microsoft would do a better job of running this than Bobby does. I, and that's I, and why I they, agree with that. And that's why they want Microsoft to take it. It's not really about the Game Pass. It's more like either people are really upset with the harassment and everything else that's gone on with Activision or the more pragmatic uh, gaming aspect of they just like vanillify and, and, and crapify yeah. uh, video games. And, and there's been plenty of reports that have come out of Blizzard talking about games that have come out and been very watered down where there have been plenty of reports that come out and directly say, you know, management came down and said no to this that we were going to do or Activision came in and said no you can't do that or we weren't ready to release and Activision's and 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 Bobby came down and said this is the release date no matter what right and so i mean it's it's really interesting i yeah this might we might this might be the the end of these these particular discussions i i'm curious uh if based off of this um depending i mean 3 billion well Microsoft can afford it. Right. It's a, it's, it is a lot of money. It would be interesting to see if, if Microsoft and or Activision after this starts to unwind their legal ties to the UK and punitive that, to be punitive to them for this. And some of the reports out of Microsoft sound that way because there were points in discussions where they were talking about uh, taking another look at their current dealing with the UK and whether the UK is a market that they're willing to be part of anymore. And so hypothetically they could try and de-spool their ties there and then try and strike a new deal in a few years to buy Activision. Maybe right. the share price will be more advantageous to them. I know Activision shares dropped on this news. Microsoft's yes. actually went up, but I, I, I will be interested to see because I know we're expecting the EU's decision on like the 22nd of May and the, and the U S's decision is expected in June. So it will be interesting if the EU and the U S say it's okay. Yeah. I don't know yet what happens. Do you have thoughts on like what happens if they, cause obviously uh, the appeal, the appeal won't be in yet from the, the appeal CMA won't then. be in yet. So and what, even if the appeal comes in, the appeal, all the appeal will do is make the CMA look at it again. I think that, if the other two say it's okay, I think it's still broken. I don't think it'll. I don't think it can happen. I, I I think they're right saying that it's not something that could be unwound just for the UK, 
where they're separate companies in the UK. And I, the only way I can think of that that would work to be okay globally but not in the UK would be just to no longer sell in the UK. Just black box the UK. Yeah, and I've and that's where I've I, I it seems so unlikely to me because given the size of the market, but I have wondered. Uh, and again, I don't know the legal nuances of all of this. Obviously, would be could they say okay if they got EU and US approval, could they say all right? What would we need to do to stay compliant with the? Is that in the UK we can't do Game Pass? But we could still sell Call of Duty on disc and sell consoles. Could I? Would it have to be ever like Xbox just cannot be sold in the UK? Period. Do they say okay? We can't. We can't sell cloud services through uh, quote unquote the UK. Oh, by the way, here are the new uh, compliant VPN tie-ins for Xbox, so you can go and buy through the US store your Game Pass and get your stuff. Right. Um, or do they say okay for the time being we have to limit the whole thing or just game pass or just the Activision part or whatever while they then move forward with decoupling their registered uh, business aspects that they have in the UK. And then they say, okay, we, we no longer quote unquote operate on UK soil anymore. We've decoupled successfully. Um, and now we can sell to you. you know, we can sell as a foreign product to you because you don't actually have regulatory you know, China doesn't get regulatory authority over Boeing. Right. They could say Boeing's not allowed to sell here, but they don't get to come in and say, eh, you can't build that plane. I think that – I don't know if they would do it. I think it's a possibility. They could do kind of like what we talked last episode has started happening in Russia by basically decoupling and pulling out of the UK and then having a third-party partner who sells games in the UK specifically. So it's not Game Pass. It's not any of that tie-in. But there's some third-party company that would still bring, would still import their games, their systems, their stuff to the UK. But it would not be them at the at, at the top level. It would be it would have to be a third-party uh, uh, workaround. Yeah, I see. I just, I don't know. Because I don't know, honestly. I mean, Microsoft is a, is a global corporation, but I just, I don't know how... Like how much would need to be separated and uh, it's work. Is it? And my assumption is it's probably more work than what their profit expectations from Activision are, but maybe it's not maybe like, I don't know how big they really are in UK literally. Like, right. Like as a, like employees and stuff. Right. And, and, and that's the question. And, and, and also does the decoupling mean, would the decoupling mean that they'd have to go so far as looking at decoupling? Microsoft entirely, not just the gaming division, all of Microsoft, mm-hmm. uh, because those are going to be very different animals. If it's decoupling the, the 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 gaming system versus decoupling all of Microsoft, but I'm you know I'm kind of given some of the statements, and again, uh, some of this is probably just reactionary, and they were very angry, but, right? But because the CMA had implied like days before they made the decision that they had softened their stance and that they were going to let it go, that they was going to go through the, 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 all the articles and, and, and Microsoft and everybody thought that things had, had gotten to the point where they'd answered and they'd solved the stuff that the CMA had problems with and that it was going to go through. And then the CMA was like, nah. Yeah. I'm just given the, the, the tone of the statement from Microsoft, uh, 
there was a big emphasis that made it to me sound like they were saying, okay, the posture of the UK is such that our European operations will all be, ba- we're going to like, we're going to look at moving them all just to the EU and right. base it all out of Brussels or whatever. And then, you know, de- you'll deal with your EU compacts to get all of our stuff and whatever. And that we just can't, we just can't operate in, in this weird post Brexit environment that the UK has decided to sabotage itself into. But right. And, and well, and the thing to think about is, the UK is is large, but it's not. And that's the other. That it's not. Big. It's it, it. It is not. I mean, let's. I mean, just the population of the UK. It's sixty seven million. That's it. And it's not sixty seven million Xbox gamers. It's not sixty seven million gamers. I mean, the population of the UK is sixty seven million people. Uh, and that is not that big compared to markets like the EU and the U.S. Okay. Well, very interesting. Oh, this has had more twists and turns than I ever thought it would. I, I did not think that this was how it was. I thought it would be I, – I thought if there was going to be a a killer, it would come from the EU. Uh I thought it, I thought that's where it would come from. I, I I did not think that it would be the UK, uh, which is surprising to me. I mean, yeah, we're looking. The UK's population is like comparable to South Korea. It's half of Japan. Well, they still have a lot of influence. Continuing to talk about Activision uh, in a slightly different route, um, Activision Blizzard's rally of monthly players uh, that happened started last year with the release of Modern Warfare 2 and the release of, of Overwatch 2 that accumulated with them looking at a total December player base of 111 million. Uh, it has tumbled. Uh, they're back down to 98 million uh, by the end of March which is similar to their numbers in September, just ahead of the Modern Warfare 2 launch. So the question will will be, how is it going to hold, or is it going to continue to drop? Uh, but it does seem like that the new players, the extra player interest from Modern Warfare 2 and Overwatch 2 uh, have gone away, and you're back to the standard uh, player base. Um, also, Diablo 4, due in June... So that could cause it to increase again. Uh, it's just going to be a question of how much, uh, especially considering a lot of people remember the issues with Diablo three at release. So I've, I've assumed that's why they've been doing so many betas was to help try and smooth that out. Try this time. And, yeah. yeah. Try and get some good uh, word of mouth on it. And I've heard good word. of mouth. I have, on too. It. I have too. I've heard really good word of mouth on it. You'll so. have to play it and let me know. <sighs> I do love the Diablo games. That's real. I really do. But I, I have not played a Activision Blizzard game in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, um, you might not be able to figure out how to play them anymore. Uh, one thing for sure, it, it was interesting. I ne- I never solved it. I need to look back into it. When I uninstalled the Blizzard uh, uh, from my computer, because I uninstalled the whole thing at one point, um, I received an email from them saying that uh, my account had been banned. Mm. 
for uninstalling. Oh. <laughs> Banhammer. So uh, I should probably try to reinstall and see what's going on with that just to see. Uh, and to get my stuff transferred over to Overwatch 2 in case I ever want to play Overwatch 2. Because uh, I have heard good things from you and others. Uh, my daughter played it a little bit. Uh, she says it's okay, but she, the only, the biggest thing she's happy about is she hasn't been told to kill herself 437 times like she normally does. I report them when they tell, when they say mean things. So, um, the other things we have going, uh, we talked a little bit already about Star Wars Jedi Survivor, uh, the, how badly buggy the PC version is. Uh, I don't know. I think I guess that was before we started. Yeah, recording. We, you told me before we yeah. started. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is out. Uh, the bug issues are severe. Uh, EA has announced that there's major patches coming over the next few weeks, but there has not been anything. Uh, general reports are that it's basically unplayable for most people. Mm. Um, at least on the PC, the consoles are supposed to be not nearly as bad. Uh, also. Sony has released the numbers for their PlayStation 5 console sales. Uh, they have passed 38 million units sold with 6.3 million units sold in the last quarter, uh, which just goes to show that if you make it so people can actually find the game and it's on shelves and it's purchasable, people will buy it. Yep. So, because they've had two quarters running of high sales since they finally were able to get them reliably on the shelves. So, and that's what I have for video games today. Okay. Well, we had quite a bit more episode content this time, so I'm sure no one will complain. But if they want to, they can email us, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast, or you can go to patreon.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. Yep. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And until next time, my name is Dennis. I've been Tony. Goodbye. Bye.